Hi everyone, welcome to Dr. Mommy Speaks Parenting Podcast. I am your host Dr. Rahat Sayed. I am a physician, parenting coach and a mom of two. I believe that parenting isn't something that should be learned on the job. Raising good humans is one of the most important tasks of our lives. And just like any other task, you need to learn how to do it right. Here at Dr. Mommy Speaks, we have expert interviews, practical advices and my personal parenting experience as a Dr. Mommy on child health, positive parenting techniques and dealing with challenging behaviors in children. Hi everyone, I'm your host Dr. Rahat and today we will be discussing all things gut, intermittent fasting, childhood obesity, GERD and a lot more. To shed some light on these topics, we have with us today Dr. Shubha, who is a gastroenterologist currently serving as assistant professor in Rajiv Gandhi Institute. She is a certified diabetologist, nutrition and wellness consultant from the prestigious John Hopkins University, USA. Food and photography are her passions and she's an avid nature lover. Welcome to the show, Dr. Shubha. We're so glad to have you. Thank you so much, Dr. Rahat, for having me here. And indeed, it's my pleasure. Okay, so let's get started. We have a huge lineup of questions for you. And I really wanted to start with dieting. Uh, it's like the new trend. People uh, on any kind of diet are firstly advised to cut down on sugars. And for that reason, they resort to artificial sweeteners. I wanted to know, are they a healthy alternative? So um, artificial sweeteners are generally provided in the market uh, to give the, you know, a sweet taste like a sugar. But however, they significantly are promoted to uh, provide a lot less calories. But there are a lot of caveats and a lot of unhidden, uh, you know, uh, disadvantages about artificial sugars. So personally, I generally do not suggest artificial sugars to any of my clients because I feel uh, they can kind of, you know, increase your sweet craving over a period of time. And psychologically, a person thinks that since he or she is on an artificial uh, sweetener, they tend to consume more sugars over a period of a 24-hour interval. So that's one point which I have noticed in a lot of patients who are on artificial sugars. And secondly, both the ADA, which is the American Diabetology Association, as well as the FDA, they have uh, given certain black box warnings about the artificial sugars in the market which include uh, their relation to cancers in the long run. And also they are linked to some kind of, you know, obesity and digestive issues, which could be uh, like a celiac disease or an inflammatory bowel disease, and they can cause a lot of food allergies. So among the artificial sugars, if you want to go for something, I would say the stevia or the plant-based one is kind of the safest. But yet again, I would say if you can cut down on refined sugars, that would be the best. Or if you still want that, you know, sweet tinge to your beverages or your food, then go for a natural alternative like palm sugar or honey or molasses or maple syrup, which I think is again a very good option. But uh, personally, I don't recommend artificial sweeteners at all. And there is a lot of caveats when they say it's a zero calorie. So they technically are not zero calories. So that would be my take on that. 
So artificial sweeteners turned out to be a myth that they are healthy. That was uh, insightful. Uh, moving on, can you tell us something about intermittent fasting and how we can go about it? Most importantly, who all are not advised to practice intermittent fasting? Okay, so intermittent fasting has been gaining a lot of popularity on social media and now even in a lot of uh, nutrition and wellness-based approaches. So basically, it is a time-based fasting. So what a person does or a, a, who adopts intermittent fasting would be uh, adopting a time-based fasting and a feeding interval of say 16-8 or 14-10 or maybe even a 12-12, which is the basis. So what I normally recommend is to start with a 12-12 where, where somebody fasts for a period of 12 hours and feeds for another period of 12 hours. And over a course of four to six weeks, you can take it to the 16-8. So the intermittent fasting is based on a concept which is called autophagy. So where, you know, your glucose based, that is a liver based glucose metabolism is switched to the adipose tissue based fat metabolism. So basically that metabolic switch is something which the intermittent fasting thrives on. So again, caution, I would say those who are pregnant and lactating and new mothers should not adopt intermittent fasting because, uh, you know, obviously their metabolic requirements are more. And any uh, patients who have just been cured of a cancer or who are on cancer chemotherapy should completely avoid adopting this. And patients with brittle diabetes who have, uh, you know, multiple spikes of sugar, of their sugar levels and require, you know, a lot of insulin to control that, they should avoid intermittent fasting. And those who are psychiatric and on, you know, any anti-psychiatric medication, because again, IF can cause a lot of sleep disturbances and bloating and digestive issues initially, which can again offset their psychological balance. So these are a few, um, you know, people who I would advise a word of caution before uh, adopting an IS protocol. That was insightful. Uh, so since we're talking about intermittent fasting, uh, can you also shed some light about a few regimens and how we can individualize these plans? Because I've heard that there is no one diet that fits all. Uh, yeah, you are absolutely right. There is no one diet which fits all. And uh, secondly, uh, I would advise you or uh, him or her not to compare their weight loss goals with their peers because uh, every time your body needs time to adapt. So uh, based on a regimen, if you would ask me, I would say the 16-8 is the best way to, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, adapt that adipose tissue-based fat burning. And that gives the maximum benefits of following an IF protocol. So if you cannot once and for all go for a 16-8, then you start with a 12-12 and slowly, you know, increase it up until you can achieve the 16-8. And the other regimens would be an alternate day fast, where, you know, you feed for about four days a week and fast for three days a week, but that need not be a complete fast. You can probably take up to 500 uh, calories during that period, which would include maybe a fruit or maybe a slice of bread or something like that. Or the other uh, IF protocol would be a 5-2, which is uh, you uh, feed for five days in a week normally, fast for maybe like two days, which could include maybe Monday, Thursday, or some fixed days. So these are the various regimens or protocols. So based on you know what you think your metabolic requirements would be and what kind of a profession you are in and how your household uh, you know metabolic requirements would require and the so based on that, you can probably adapt a particular regimen. 
Okay, so the day-wise regimen sounds a bit tough and for the beginners, I guess the hour-wise would be much better. 12 hours of fasting, 12 hours of eating. But then this uh, obviously uh, this obviously depends upon the person's uh, metabolic requirements. Like if, if someone's a sedentary lifestyle person, it would be better to start with the hourly one, right? Absolutely. You're absolutely right. And another word of caution I would say is uh, less than 18 and above 65. Generally, uh, please do not uh, try this diet in any form, whether it's a day-wise or the hour-wise. So twins, if you are listening to this, refrain from intermittent fasting and eat healthy. Okay, so if you've been procrastinating about going on a diet, then this regimen information should help you kickstart it. Having spoken in great detail about IF, uh, Dr. Shubha, could you also add something about its benefits? Because I've heard it helps you look younger. If it is so, then I'm starting right away. It definitely helps you look younger because a lot of clinical trials and studies have shown uh, there is a secretion of this hormone called HGH or the human gonadotropic hormone. So this hormone helps uh, him or her look a lot younger, probably cuts down your years about, for about 5 to 10 years. So I think that's you know one of the added benefits of an intermittent fasting. And uh, weight loss is obviously one of the benefits. And besides that, there is, uh, studies have shown uh, your cholesterol levels are controlled. Your hypertension is also controlled. And it keeps a lot of neurodegenerative diseases like Alzheimer's disease at bay. So these are some of the you know, benefits of uh, intermittent fasting besides the weight loss goals which you want to achieve. And okay. overall, it helps you look younger and more energetic as well. So I've been, uh, uh, you know, on intermittent fasting for like almost 10 years. So I can totally say I can vouch for it. Oh, yeah. Can you also share a bit about your journey? We've heard you've lost like 20 kilos uh, that you gained postpartum. How yes. did you go about that? So uh, I started only after I had completely weaned off my child from, uh, you know, lactation. So I would say, you know, new mothers don't be too enthusiastic and, uh, you know, over-aggressive with your uh, I adopting an IF because your child's nutrition matters a lot. So I started with the 12-12 and then I went on to the 14-10 and uh, post when see, being a doctor my times are kind of uh, erratic and duties are a little uh, haywire. So I adopt the 16-8 uh, only during uh, two days a week when I am off or maybe on uh, any days when I know I'm planning to take an off or you know when I get a duty off that's the time when I adopt the uh, 16 mate. So it works wonders for me, like maybe five days a week, I do the 14th and even if it's a weekend, like I kind of, uh, you know, it's, it's in now in uh, everyone in my house is kind of following, including my 10 year old daughter, she has up her dinner before 6.45 and she has a glass of milk maybe by around 8.39. So she, there, all our meal times have been adapted to, you know, this 14th and but of course the kids have a bit of junk post dinner. So that's okay because they are, you know, uh, still uh, at their growing phase. So I think uh, that's something which has really helped me over the years to overcome a lot of stress, especially, you know, on the work front, managing uh, home and family. And uh, I'm married to a cardiologist, so it's even more stressful, you know, with his timings and everything. So that was an inspirational weight loss transformation story. And guys, if you all want to learn more about how Dr. Shubha lost almost 20 kgs, you can head to her Instagram page and find out more about that. 
uh, I guess that was also uh, my green flag and I guess it's time for me to give it a try. Uh, moving forward, uh, Dr. How can we break the fast? Uh, in other words, what are we allowed to eat during the eating phase? Because people fast for like 16 hours, but then end up binge eating on chicken tikka and biryanis, which nullifies all the effort. How do we go about it? Absolutely, Rahul. So uh, the thing is, uh, when you are adopting an IF protocol, it's very mindful of what you have to be very mindful of what you do both within the feeding as well as the fasting phase. So your fasting phase should absolutely be a zero calorie phase, which could include maybe a black tea, black coffee or green tea. And a lot of people do a lot of, uh, you know, uh, things like they eat a fruit or maybe they have a fruit juice or tender coconut water, which is again, not allowed. Because you totally don't want a spike of insulin or any kind of glucose to enter your body. So you absolutely want to, you know, lay your pancreas to rest and you want that adipose tissue based fat burning to occur. So if you pump in a bit of, uh, you know, calories here and there, you're not going to get that metabolic switch. So that is one thing which I want uh, people to know that in your fasting phase, it should be absolutely zero calories. So don't, uh, I mean, juices, fruits and all that are absolutely not allowed. And when you break a fast, uh, your body is going to be super receptive to whatever you put in because after the 16 hour of fast, so you should start your uh, feeding phase with a drink. So preferably, I would say you could start it with spirulina and chia seeds mixed in warm water or uh, apple cider vinegar with warm water or even lemon, mint and ginger concoction would be okay. And following that for half an hour, please do not eat or drink anything. And after that, you could start your first meal, which should again be a high protein, moderate fat and low carb. So please do not pump in carbohydrates in your first meal because that could cause a lot of bloating and a lot of digestive issues and it could, you know, put you totally off track on IS. So carbs can again be introduced maybe three to four hours after you break your fast. And uh, obviously, like you said, you shouldn't load yourself on tikkas and biryanis because there would be absolutely no point. Snacking is okay, but that again should be like a, you know, low calorie snack like popcorn or makhanas or maybe a bowl of nuts or a fruit. And uh, I would say you can space it out to two large meals and three small snacks. But again, the snacks could be anywhere between two and four and eat only if you are hungry during an IS protocol. And make sure you finish off your uh, dinner or your last meal at least two to two and a half hours before you go to bed. Because again, you don't want to, you know, uh, hit the pillow with a full stomach. So that's something you have to remember. So after that breakdown, uh, conscious eating is more important and having a high protein and low calorie diet is what's going to give you full benefits of intermittent fasting. Uh, moving on to our next topic, uh, we are parents. Uh, our kids' health is what concerns us the most. Childhood obesity is on a rise with the current sedentary lifestyle, being glued to screens, either playing games or for online classes. And it has tons of adverse effects. Uh, can you shed some uh, light on and also suggest as an approach on how to keep the obesity uh, in check? So now childhood obesity is very rampant in India. It's again the next big pandemic, I would say, because uh, one in three kids in any school is overweight or obese. So yes, again, when you take your child for a regular medical checkup, you should be very mindful of his or her weight gain. And uh, childhood obesity has a lot of impact 
uh, in the growing age, that is in the adolescent and early adulthood of a child, it can lead to, you know, early onset diabetes, hypertension, cholesterol issues. And more than ever, it can cause a lot of psychological issues in the child and lead to a lot of bullying, especially in, you know, school and college life because of the, uh, you know, weight gain issues. So yet again, now we are again faced with this uh, COVID pandemic and it doesn't seem to be going anywhere uh, soon. So I guess uh, kids hooked on to iPads and gadgets and unrestricted, uh, you know, screen time is uh, again causing a lot of adverse effects on their health. So I would say whenever we plan a meal, it's nice to include our children within uh, that frame of mind. Hey, why don't you also plan a meal with me? So they know what goes into the meal. And uh, you should also give them a lot of healthy options. And I think it's best that kids start counting calories. I think it's okay if you are, make them aware of that. So, and uh, every time I go to the supermarket with my children, I ensure they read the label of any snack or packaged food. So that would, you know, kind of make them very mindful as to what is protein, what is fat and what are calories and all that. So early inculcation of good eating habits is again very important. So that is one thing I would suggest. And work out as a family. So since we're mostly stuck indoors, I think using a routine which can include all of the entire family together at a particular time would be very nice. And children would obviously be very receptive to that. If they see the parents working out, obviously they would also want to be healthy. So I think kids look up to us a lot. So if we adopt a healthy lifestyle, I think that would also impact their future in a big way. And you can encourage them in household chores and give them small things to do, which would again, you know, keep them a little active when compared to just sitting in front of the television. And you can restrict the screen time. I think you should, the household ground rules should be made. So if parents are at home and not working, and I think screen time restriction should be kind of enforced in a very strict way. So, and avoid overfeeding children. Um, especially in small children, I think you can include a small plate and count your portions. And when you uh, set uh, up their meals, just give them a small uh, portion so that they know what is hunger, what is satiety, and they ask for more. Rather than loading their plate with three rotis and saying you finish it up, otherwise they are not letting you get up. Just give them one roti and make them, you know, ask for more and let them, you know, get that hunger and satiety uh, into their that brain access. So that again works wonders, I think. That, that was really nice. Uh, and the best thing that I found was inculcating the habit of reading food labels. That is really interesting and it's going to create so much of awareness from a young uh, age in the kids. Uh, so moving on, uh, another disabling yet common problem that everyone has to deal with is acidity. We hear these terms every now and then. Heartburn, acidity, bloating, GERD. What's the difference? And can you suggest some practical ways in which we can avoid heartburn and acid reflux? Yeah, heartburn, acidity, and GERD are uh, some of the most common, uh, you know, uh, presentations which I see in my everyday practice. Almost 80% of my patients uh, report to me only for these issues. So I guess it's on a rise nowadays because of obesity, again, weight gain and uh, unhealthy eating habits, untimely meals, and obviously a lot of uh, smoking and alcoholism is on the rise. Even with the onset of the pandemic, I've seen a lot of people take to the bottle more often than normal since they're stuck indoors. 
and uh, fast food trends that's again something which i have seen which has been aggravating this uh, heartburn acidity and grd issues so grd is nothing but gastroesophageal reflux so there is a sphincter at the junction of your esophagus and stomach so like i mentioned all these conditions can lead to a relaxation of the sphincter so your food moves up every time you probably bend down or you lie down in a particular position but certain over a period of time that can become so severe that even if you are sitting or standing erect the reflux would be uh, present so i would just want to say a uh, red flag signs where you think you need to consult a gastro specialist or you need an endoscopy would be if you have any undue unintentional weight loss a loss of appetite any blood or blackish colored stools any unintentional or you know a little bit of blood in your vomitus or your reflux ingredients any family history of uh, cancer or liver cancer gut cancer or any form of cancer and uh, also if you have noticed any change in your uh, swallowing so these are some of the red flag signs which i would say you know you need to consult a gastro specialist immediately but otherwise we have a lot of otc or over the counter medications which you can try for a period of 4 uh, to 6 weeks but the best way to keep grd at bay would be lifestyle changes weight loss uh, you know alcohol abstinence and quitting of smoking would definitely come a long way and if you're already on a, a lot of medications for any heart issues or hypertension then obviously your uh, specialist would have started you on a anti reflux or anti acid medication but uh, be very mindful of the red flag signs so even if so we are in a pandemic don't get uh, don't delay uh, meeting a specialist and nowadays uh, meeting a specialist is like a call away with telemedicine i really love that concept now because it simply avoids the risk of visiting a hospital and contracting uh, covid in the process absolutely so that that was an amazing session uh, thank you dr shiva for such an insightful uh, informative session and we loved it i'm sure it's going to benefit tons of procrastinators like me thank you so much dr ahmed the pleasure was mine so guys you can find dr shiva on instagram and facebook for more resources related to dieting photography and gut the links will be mentioned in the show notes below That's it for today. Do subscribe to my podcast so you will be notified each time a new episode is online. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter and LinkedIn as Dr. Mommy Speaks. Don't forget to like and review our podcast wherever you listen. It will help others to find this podcast. And you can visit our website drmommyspeaks.com forward slash podcast for all our show notes and any resources mentioned by me or my guests. And while you're at it, don't forget to subscribe to our newsletter. Until then, happy parenting.